today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. But so many take their experiences with man and apply it to Jesus. They apply it to Jesus Christ. The hurts, the pain, the hard feelings, we take those emotions and we say, you know what? Jesus Christ must do the same thing then. If man does this, then it must be that Jesus is going to do the same thing to me. But let me tell you that Jesus is not a regular man. He is God in man form. Have you experienced hurt, abandonment, or rejection from others? If so, you might be tempted to see Jesus in this light, as we'll hear from Pastor Eric today. However, Jesus will never fail us, even though people will. He's the only one who truly understands our deepest emotions. Will you trust him with these? Well, let's join Pastor Eric in the book of John chapter 10 with today's edition of Grace to the Hearers. John chapter 10, as we continue our study through the gospel according to John, this morning I titled the message Full Access. Full Access. Kind of thus far, what have we been learning in John chapter 10? Well, we have seen that there is a difference between a religious system versus a relationship system. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time when Jesus was uh, walking here on the earth, uh, Jesus described these guys as thieves and robbers. And Jesus described them this way because they were all about the works of the law and that they were encouraging the people to continue in those works of the law, that the, the, the works that they perform would get them to God. But Jesus proclaimed, though, in John chapter 10, that he was the door, that he is the door to the sheepfold. And really, the only way to get to God is what he's communicating is, is that the only way to get to God is through me, as he's proclaiming. And so as he's proclaiming this message to the church leadership and to those who are around, he was saying to them, if anyone is entering through me into the sheepfold, they will be saved and they will have life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. What an amazing concept. What an amazing thing that I believe that all of us would want and desire. Life more abundantly. But this life that Jesus was speaking about was eternal life. Uh, a life that doesn't start necessarily when you die, but it's when you lay your trust into Jesus Christ. That life then begins, that eternal life. There's a rebirth that takes place, that you are a new creation, a new life that takes place. And truly, that life <laughs> is an amazing life. So after Jesus spoke these words, there was a division again amongst the people who were listening to him. Uh, some of them said, man, this guy has a demon in him. He's filled with a demon. Why do you listen to him? As they were talking to each other, why do you listen to this man? He, he must have a demon inside of him. He's, he's talking crazy. But then there's others on the other side of the coin that were saying, this one does not have a demon. This man does not have a demon because how can a demon heal a blind man? And if you guys remember in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a man who was blind from birth. And so there was a division going on amongst the people. Is he the son of God or not the son of God? And truly that same conversation, that same division still is taking place today. Well, this morning we will see that the Jews are still searching for answers about Jesus and who he is. In our text, we will see that Jesus reveals himself as the Christ. 
the one who is equal with God. In this proclamation, the Jews once again rejected Jesus and called him a blasphemer. As the Jews received this message that Jesus proclaims himself as the Christ, they reject that. They want to stone him, as we will see here in John 10. In this midst of this heart of hate and this heart of murder, Jesus Christ doesn't bail out on these people. He continues to proclaim and love them. He continues to pour into them, to point them to him and to this abundant life. So let's get into verses 22 through 30. We'll see what the Lord has for us. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you have, or how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe me, or you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not my sheep, of my sheep. As I have said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So here we see the time period of what's going on in this conversation. Jesus is still communicating to the Jews. And it says in verse 22 that this is taking place during the Feast of Dedication. Now, the Feast of Dedication, this feast took place during the wintertime. Thank you for the word to tell us that, right? And it was winter. But the feast, you guys, lasted eight Days And it was eight days of celebration. Celebration of rededification of the temple. Uh, They rededicated it back to God. What do you mean? Why are they celebrating that? Well, because this feast was introduced in 164 B.C. uh, by Judas Maccabees. Okay, And, And Judas Maccabees rededicated the temple to God after Antiochus Ephenius, king of Syria, a Greek desecrated the temple. Antiochus sacked Jerusalem and ordered, you guys check this out, this is crazy, he ordered that the temple of God would be dedicated to Zeus. That the only worship going on in the temple in Jerusalem was going to be worshiping Zeus, the Greek god. Antiochus declared that Zeus was the supreme god. Well, we know that he's wrong. (laughs) There's only one supreme God. The God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Israel. And so when the Jews refused to worship, Antiochus sent his army and they destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed Jerusalem and many Jews were slaughtered. Now some of the Jews revolted And they took back the temple. And Judas Maccabees was the one leading the charge. And so as they took over and they regained the temple, the Jews then rededicated the temple back to the living God. And this feast is also known 
today, because it's still celebrated today in the middle of December, as Hanukkah, which means dedication. So kind of give you an idea, there was a celebration going on of, of the temple being uh, rededicated to the God, and so Jesus then comes into Solomon's porch. Now Solomon's porch was on the east side of the temple. And so as he comes in, this was the same porch, if you read in Acts chapter 3, this is the same porch that Peter was proclaiming the gospel to the Jews in Acts chapter 3. And it was the same porch when the religious leaders took Peter and John and arrested them, and they were going to go in and finally go in to say to them, do not proclaim the name of Jesus here in Jerusalem anymore. But yet, on that day that Peter proclaimed the gospel in Acts chapter 3, 5,000 people came to Christ. Amazing, isn't it? And so it was the same porch that Jesus is coming into, the same venue. So then the Jews surrounded Jesus, as we see in verse 24, and they say to him, how long do you keep us in suspense? Tell us plainly if you are the Christ. Well, the people wanted a clear answer. Jesus, are you the Christ? Please just tell us so we cannot be in suspense anymore. We need to know. Jesus then proclaims that he is the Christ, right? Because if you recall, I believe it was in John chapter 8, that Jesus proclaimed in the temple that he was the light of the world. That same light that was being celebrated as God was the light who, who carried the Israelites through the wilderness, Jesus was proclaiming, I am the light of the world. Again, if you've been with us in our study, Jesus has been pointing to the deity that he is, that he is God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. Then Jesus not only told them that he was the light of the world, but Jesus then told the Jews that before Abraham was, I am. So (laughs) Jesus has been telling the Jews, he's been telling the people listening to him, I have been telling you plainly that I am the Christ, I am the Son of God, that I am God. In fact, if you guys don't even hear my words, he's saying, look at the works that have been done. I healed the man who was lame, who couldn't walk. And then the healing of the blind man, not to mention all the other healings that haven't been recorded in the gospel according to John. But these are huge miracles that Jesus has performed to show who he is, that he is the Christ. Jesus tells the crowd, I've told you already. I've told you, but you do not believe. I've told you. You don't believe. And the reason why you don't believe is because you are not my sheep. You're not my sheep. Because Jesus then explains about his sheep, that his sheep hear his voice. Jesus tells the crowd, he knows his sheep and they follow him. Jesus then goes on to say that he gives his sheep eternal life. And they shall never perish And not only shall they have eternal life and that they'll never perish, but then he goes in even deeper saying, no one's going to take them out of my hand. And then he takes it a step further. He goes, even my father, my father who has given me my sheep, they're in his hand as well, and no one will take them out of his hand. No one will take them out of his hand. Because then he comes down and says, me and my father are one, right? I and my father are one. 
The question that came to my heart is this. How long will you keep us in suspense? How long will you keep us in suspense? There are people, maybe even you today, who wonder if Jesus is truly the Messiah, truly the Christ, truly the Son of God, and even God himself. They are wanting to know if Jesus is God. They want to know this knowledge so that they can either believe and just start following this truth, or if he's not, then I can just forget this whole religious thing in their viewpoint, that this is all religious, and they said, I can just be done away with religion finally, and I can just live my life without that part of my life going on. And so there's that question, in that suspense, you know, how long will I be in suspense to know if he is truly the Christ, if he's truly God? Well, let me just tell you that Jesus does not keep you in suspense about his deity. Jesus reveals his deity. He reveals that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, God himself, every single day. Every single day in everybody's life, believer and non-believer. How does he do this? Well, number one, creation. Creation. If you look around, you see a beautiful creation, a masterpiece painted and designed and created by God himself. Creation is a, a beautiful thing to reveal the deity of God. It says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul, writing to the church of Rome, is saying, Look around, it is clearly seen, the attributes of God. It is clearly seen to see the Godhead. The Godhead is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is seen in creation. Is seen in creation. Number two, how else does God reveal His deity? He is God and He is the Messiah. The daily blessings that take place in your life. The daily blessings that take place. God's unmerited favor upon you, known as grace, is bestowed upon one's life daily. God's grace is bestowed upon you daily. Even if you don't believe, God's grace is there. And if you do believe, God's grace is there. Jesus reveals his deity through the blessings in one's life. (laughs) The third thing is, is this. It's through his word. Through the Bible. Jesus reveals himself in the word of God. Through the Bible. But for many, these proofs are not enough for them to believe. These proofs are are not enough. It's not enough for me to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he is God. But Jesus is not and has not been holding back from revealing that he is who he says he is. The evidence has been given, and it's been given to you guys daily. It's been given to me daily. It's been given to this world daily. Those who hear Jesus and believe are his sheep. Jesus says, I know them and they follow me. The sheep of Jesus allow him to know them. Meaning what? 
They put down their doubt. They put down their defenses. And they allowed Jesus full access to their lives. Which brings me to another question. Is, is Have you allowed Jesus full access of your life? Have you allowed Jesus full access of your life? Have you completely opened up to Jesus? Have you let go of the controls of your life to Jesus? Now, I saw this a couple days ago, the movie Inside Out with my son. And this movie's a pretty cute little movie. It's about these inside your, your characteristics, right? Controlling what's going on, your emotions and all that. And I can only picture the flesh of myself just going crazy in there. One minute I'm angry, one minute I'm sad. But have I released the controls of who Eric is to Jesus Christ? To let him control me. To let him decide what he wants me to do. Have you allowed Jesus to take control of your life? Have you allowed Jesus to take permanent residency within you? Guys, giving full access to Jesus takes trust. It takes trust. Trust is a hard thing to give. And so do you trust Jesus enough to let him have full access of your life? Full access. Now, what are some reasons why people would deny access? I'll tell you. Number one, you've been taken advantage of. You've been taken advantage of way too many times. You've trusted people, but they've taken advantage of you and broken your trust. They have failed you. Number two, man has disappointed you. You've been disappointed by man. You've been given promises by man, and those promises never come true. And so you can't trust them because all you think in your mind is, man, I've just been disappointed by this, this person in my life, then this person, my boss, my family, my dad, my mom, whoever it may be, you just can't trust because you can't hold on to the words that they're speaking because they let you down. So man has disappointed you. A good reason to deny access to your life. Number three, you've been abandoned. You've been abandoned meaning that you've placed your total trust, your heart into a person, right? You've put, put your heart and soul into a relationship for them to get up and leave and to bail out on you, to leave you hanging, leave you a mess. You've been abandoned. These three issues create a defense within the heart and say, you know what, I'm not going to open up to anybody else anymore. Access denied. No more can anybody touch my heart because I'm not going to get hurt. When it comes to dealing with man, I understand not wanting to give access to your life. I understand it. Why? Because man lets you down. Man lets us down every single day. But so many take their experiences with man and apply it to Jesus. They apply it to Jesus Christ. The hurts, the pain, the hard feelings, we take those emotions and we say, you know what? Jesus Christ must do the same thing then. If man does this, then it must be that Jesus is going to do the same thing to me. But let me tell you that Jesus is not a regular man. He is God. In man form. 
And facts about Jesus, you guys. Number one, Jesus will not take advantage of you. He will not take advantage of you. He is not going to use you. Jesus said this in Matthew 20, verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. God sent Jesus. If God wanted to take advantage of you, He would not have given His only begotten Son. God would have had you work for your salvation. If God wanted to take advantage of you, if He wanted to just you know, put his thumb on you, he would have not sent Jesus and he would have said, you know what? Instead of me giving my only begotten son so that you can be with me, it's going to be works-based. That you have to work your way to me. And I'm going to take everything that you do and I'm going to take advantage of you. God doesn't work that way. The second thing about Jesus is this. Jesus will not disappoint you. He will not disappoint you. The Bible says this, you guys. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or he has spoken, and will he not make good of it? Numbers 23, 19. That verse is saying this. You know what? If God says something, he's going to come through with it. Won't he do it then if he says it? That's what the Bible says. That's what I've seen in my own life. That if God said it, that he's going to do it. He's good on his word. More evidence that God will not disappoint you is this. In Hebrews 6.17, God also bound himself with an oath so that those received the promise could perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. You can be perfectly sure because of the oath that God has taken that he will never change his mind about you. Again, in Hebrews 6.18, so God has given both the promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Because why? Because why? It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. That verse is powerful. Those two verses in Hebrews are powerful. You can have hope. You can be sure that God is not going to disappoint you because God cannot lie. All this means that is God is perfect. And Jesus says, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Our last fact about Jesus is this. Jesus will never abandon you. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, an orphan, probably one of the biggest examples of suffering abandonment. But here Jesus is making a promise. Remember that God is good on his promises, and he's saying, I will not leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Deuteronomy 31.6, again, more evidence that Jesus will never abandon you, that God will never abandon you, says this, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. We hope the words Pastor Eric shared have encouraged you to learn even more about our Savior and seek His love and hope for your own life. Jesus has the power to change every person's life, wiping sin away and giving back a full life of love and grace. If you'd like to know more about Jesus and how you can have a personal relationship with Him, we'd love to tell you more. 
Please give us a call at 520-723-7047. That number again is 520-723-7047. We have much to share with you about Jesus, and we'd like to join you in prayer as you begin your journey of faith. One thing we'd encourage you in right away is to find a local church in which to get involved. If you are in the Coolidge, Arizona area, we would be thrilled to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Coolidge. Come join us for a time of worship and studying verse by verse through the Bible. You can find our weekly service times, church address, and directions through our website at gracetothehearers.com. You'll also be able to read more about Pastor Eric, our church family, and what we believe. That website again is gracetothehearers.com. That's all the time we have for today on Grace to the Hearers. We're so glad that you joined us, and we hope you'll continue to be blessed throughout your day. Tune in again as Pastor Eric continues teaching through the book of John, right here on Grace to the Hearers.